Well, again, welcome. Glad you guys are here. Go ahead and grab some scripture. We're going to dive in together into James chapter 4 is where we'll be. And in that, if you're just joining us, we've been in this series in the book of James. We often will spend our time together just preaching through books of the Bible. And so I'm excited to spend time with you guys in James chapter 4. A little, little bit of shortened time in the Word today due to breakfast, but let's get to it here. And again, uh, nursery is available if you need nursery. Kids uh, will be up here with us today. And so today's passage in James, if you haven't been following along or kind of want to uh, kind of know where we're going, here's where we're going this morning in James, what James has for us today. Today's passage in James addresses our pride. Maybe turn this down a little bit. Yeah, today's passage in James shortened, uh, and I'm about to take this off, so if, maybe Jake, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. So here's, um, here's where we're going James-wise. James wants to address our pride, our self-satisfaction, which can lead to boasting. So here's where we are. James wanting to cover our pride, wanting to uncover our pride, our self-satisfaction, which can lead to boasting. By the way, we don't boast unless we're proud about something, right? If we're speaking of boasting, uh, we don't boast about something unless we're proud about something. See, boasting is just your pride and arrogance being vocalized. And I love the way to, to kind of think through that in a sense of what boasting is. It's our pride and it's our arrogance just being vocalized. See, boasting reveals a heart of pride and arrogance, which also, by the way, we love to point out in others, right? It's really hard to see it in ourselves, right? We love to point out the people that we think are prideful and arrogant, yet we have a really hard time seeing it in ourselves, right? Aren't our conversations, maybe with our family or our close friends, we say things like, man, that girl at school is always bragging about her grades or bragging about how smart she is or that guy I work with is so full of himself. He's always talking about what new toys he has or his glory days in high school or, or something peculiar, right? And yet it's really hard to see the pride and arrogance in ourselves. And so maybe this morning we allow the Lord to put a mirror in front of us that we might see the arrogance and pride present within our hearts that we're so easily blinded to. James is going to tell his audience in your arrogance, you say this, but you should really say this over here. So keep that in mind. You'll see it play out in the passage. He says, you, you say these things, and it reflects arrogance, but you should really say these things over here because that's going to be reflective of a heart that's different than pride and arrogance. And so let's get in. James chapter 4, verse uh, 13 is where we'll start. Uh, if, uh, if you have a copy of Scripture in front of you, great. Uh, and I didn't mention it earlier, but uh, it's in the Bible app as well, uh, the passages we're going to work through today. And so let's read verse 13 together. We'll work down eventually through verse 17, so just a short section um, this morning. Here's James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, again, this, this is what they say, but he's going to tell them they should say something else. This is what they say. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow. 
we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. It's not really common in our culture, but this still happens, kind of traveling salesmen or traveling businessmen. But in this culture, it was a popular thing. And so he's addressing these traveling businessmen who were speaking arrogantly. But on the surface, you read this and you go, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with what they just said? Again, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a prophet. And I want to cover each one of these phrases just briefly and help us understand how that might be a sign of some arrogance or some pride. Just listen to this. When this group says today or tomorrow, when they say, hey, today or tomorrow, here's what they presume. They presume to be solely in charge and in control of when they do things that they are really the keepers of time and circumstance. When they say today or tomorrow, they're really presuming to be in control and in charge of of, of the time and circumstance. When this group next says they'll go to such and such a town, here's what they presume in that. When this group says, hey, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this town or that town, here's what they presume. They presume to be in control, in charge of their movements. They're coming and they're going. Their physical location on the planet. And so first they presume to be in charge of time and how it unfolds with today or tomorrow. Now they're presuming on their comings and their goings. When this group says they'll spend a year there, they're presuming to be in control or in charge of the duration of their visit. Not just that we're in charge of when we go, not just that we're in charge of where we go, but we're also in charge and in control of how long we stay there. When this group says that they'll go and they'll trade, they presume to be in control and in charge of their work and their vocation. When this group says that they'll make a profit, They presume to be in control and in charge of their level of success in any given venture. Do you see the control here as we work down through this passage? That they're presuming to have control and be in charge of these things of their lives. See, the way that they're talking reveals a heart of self-sufficiency. That I decide all those things. I am in charge of all those things. It's a heart of self-sufficiency. We would say it maybe this way, even though we may not say this out loud, this is how some of us think, well, I'm ultimately in control of my own destiny. We said that, right? You hear it in football season all the time, right? When a team gets to a certain point, they're in control of their own destiny, which just means if they win out, then they get a place in the playoffs. A heart of self-sufficiency says, I'm ultimately in control of my own destiny. I ultimately decide my fate. In all matters and circumstances. And maybe again we wouldn't outright say it that way, but like this group, it's the way we say it that reveals a heart of self-sufficiency and pride. That's where James is going with this group, and that's where maybe the Lord starts to take off some blinders with how we view life. 
But James is going to reveal the problem with talking and thinking this way. He said, you presume on so many things that you're in control, that you're in charge. There are two problems with doing that. And here's the prob- here are the two problems that James lays out with thinking this way. The problem of making arrogant presumptions like these in life that we've just read. Verse 14, follow along with me here. Verse 14, James 4. This is the problem. He says, yet... In other words, in your presumptions, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And then he asks a question. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I'm not sure if you caught the two problems there with living a presumptuous life. James states these two problems with us making arrogant presumptions about our lives. Number one, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. That one was real clear right there, almost word for word. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. And we would say that, well, yeah, we we know that, but yet we live our lives like we do. It's a presumption. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. In other words, you don't know and can't predict the happenings of tomorrow. James here is pointing out the futility of trying to control your circumstances, and your future, right? I mean, I mean, don't we wrestle with that of, of trying to control our circumstances and our future? James is pointing to the futility of that. He says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? And so to presume on one thing or another is out of place. The second problem with making arrogant presumptions about our lives, we don't know if we'll be here tomorrow, Right? right we don't even know if we're going to be alive tomorrow we don't we don't like to talk about that stuff in church right we don't like to talk about the brevity and fragility of life right in in church but the scriptures constantly point to the fragility of our lives james is pointing to the futility of trying to control your circumstances number one the second problem is the fragility of our lives how seldom we take the time to stop and remember that our next breath is not guaranteed much less tomorrow, next week, next year, right? James is pointing to the fragility of our lives. I love the image. He says that our life is like a, a mist or a vapor. And we don't like to think of ourselves that way. We like to think of ourselves as a, a rock or something more powerful and permanent than a mist, right? And I, I love that I've done this before a year or two ago, but I brought a visual with me just to capture what... James is talking about when it says our lives are like a mist. They're here one moment and then gone the next because we typically think that we're going to live decades. That's, uh, unless you're way at the end of your life, which some of you may be. You may not be thinking decades at this point. Probably most of us are thinking decades. We're going to live decades longer, but we don't know that. Fragility of life, right? And James says, hey, your life's like a mist. And so when I uh, light this match, if the uh, Strike Anywhere match cooperates, um, there'll be a little bit of puff of smoke, and then I'm going to blow the match out. And then, uh, as you guys know, the, the smoke, it doesn't hang out here, right? It's not going to be here in another minute. It's not even going to be here at the end of our service. You're not going to be able to come up here afterward and say, hey, where's that, where's that smoke from the match, right? It's gone. And so, just so it's etched in our memory, what James is saying, that life, your life is like a vapor. There goes some of it. <laughs> 
And there it is. There's our lives. Oh, 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 we can still see a little bit of it. Right there, a little bit. Gone, right? So quick, so short, and so fragile, right? And that's what the image that James is trying to say when we think that we're in control, we live our lives presumptuously. It's like, that, that's futile. This idea of control and manipulation, the way we live our lives. And, and then he says, even your life itself is fragile. Again, our default is to think we're alive on this planet for decades. And maybe we will and maybe we won't, but we're not in charge of that and can't control that. James is saying you think you're a big deal and you think you're in control of your life. You're just a vapor. Here one second and gone the next. And so in summary, here are these two problems with living a presumptuous life. Here are the, here are the two problems. We have two bad words, essentially. If we're going to zero down our problem into words, I've already kind of mentioned them. We have two bad words we don't like to think about in our culture, and they both describe our lives, and both of these bad words, ironically, start with F. Futility and fragility, right? Futility and fragility, these two bad words, these two problems we have with viewing our lives as if we're in control. Futility and fragility. Now with the problem clearly stated, James will shed some light on how we should view our lives in light of the problem of futility and fragility. If he's pointed to that and said that, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to live a presumptuous life based on the futility of trying to control things and the fragility of our lives. Verses 15 and 16. Let's keep going here. Verses 15 and 16 in James chapter 4. James says this, Instead, you ought to say, not as these are some kind of magic words. This is reflective of a certain heart, right? And so he says this, Instead, of saying, hey, we're going to go do this, we're going to spend this long here, we're going to work, we're going to make a profit. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. And so James says, said, you talk this way, but instead, you should talk this way, which would be reflective of your, uh, of, of your understanding of the Lord and His will. So James says, if the Lord wills, I will live and do this or that. doesn't matter what I think should happen or what I might think is best or said another way. The Lord is in charge of my life and the doings of my life. The Lord is in charge of whether... I'm alive or dead, or what I do or don't do. And at this point in preparation this week, I just kind of started to go to some natural application. Okay, okay, well, what is, I, I, get, I get those truths. What, what, are, what are some of the applications? And I thought, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Just delete Google Calendar from my phone? Right? <laughs> if, 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 is, is James saying planning is bad? If so, then we need to delete Google Calendar off our devices, or maybe in more dramatic fashion, 
we should have a planner burning party out here in the parking lot, right? We'll just say, hey, we're going to get all our planners together, throw them in a pile, light them on fire. That'll be a scene, right? That'll for sure make the sky high news. Church in Fraser burns planners, swears off Google Calendar. See, it's not the planning that James is calling out here. It's the heart behind the planning that James is identifying and calling out. It's the subtle difference, get this, between planning and presumption. Between planning and presumption. It's us asking in this moment if we operate and plan as if we're at the wheel of the car of our lives. And so here's some pointed questions here. Have you arrived at the point in your life where you understand your place in the universe, where you understand the futility of control and the fragility of life, where you understand that the planning of our lives and the doings of our lives aren't in and of themselves evil, but are to be seen first in light of who He is. Have you arrived at the point in your life where you've released control and confessed His sovereignty, where you come to grips with your own human fragility? And, and maybe you have at some point, but this morning maybe hearkens you back to that. Or you've gotten in this rut where we think we're kind of invincible and going to live forever and what we think should happen will always happen. I love Proverbs 16.9. It's uh, one of these verses that would be healthy for you to memorize. I remember memorizing it in college when I was right on the brink of lots of decisions I needed to make in life. You know, the big decisions. What are you going to study? What kind of vocation are you going to have? Who are your friends going to have? Who your who's going to be your spouse? Where are you going to live? Here's what Proverbs 16.9 says. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. New Living Translation says it like this. We can make our plans. Again, acknowledging that we can make our plans. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Let's go on. Verse 17. Let's wrap it up here. Verse 17 of chapter 4. James has just laid all this out, and then he gives kind of a gut punch right here at the end. He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. And so this gut punch here, pointing out our sin and really Leveling the playing field, if you don't know what to do and you don't do it, that's sin. Anybody been there before? Yes, all of us, right? That's a badge we can all wear in that sense. And we get down to this here and we go, okay, well, is that the end of the sermon? Like, is that, is that all there is here? And we get to talk here about the good news. See, as we've considered His providence and His sovereignty today, today in our lives, as we can be reminded that he is in, that, that today, that in his sovereignty, he had a plan all along. Number one, get this. When we think about him being a sovereign God, the fact that we are not in control of, of our own destiny, so to speak, the futility of 
control, the fragility of life. We think about his sovereignty. Think about this when it comes to his sovereignty. He had a plan all along to send his son Jesus to seek and to save the lost, right? And, and you may be hearing that for the first time, but, but maybe more likely is it maybe, maybe just falling fresh on you today to save sinners like us who know the right thing to do and fail to do it. And this was, this was the sentence, uh, oftentimes in, in preparation, I'll have a sentence that really stands out to me. This one was that one. He reaches into our utter and complete futility and fragility and offers us Himself. And get this, the cross shows us His, his efforts are never futile. The resurrection shows us that he's not fragile. And when we think about those two words, futility and fragility, and how they describe us, again, we see the cross shows us his efforts are never futile, and the resurrection shows us he's not fragile. And so maybe today is about a shift in paradigm for you, where you begin to now plan with open hands. Maybe you lay arrogant presumption about your life at his feet, and in your futility and fragility, you receive anew the beauty of the gospel. Christ for us through the cross and Christ in us through the resurrection. Let me close this in prayer. I'm going to give you just a moment to interact in prayer with the Lord. Maybe just in our short time here in the Scriptures, He's pointing you to truth that you needed to see today. Truth you needed to hear today. Lord, we confess the truth that we see in the Scriptures that we are not in control or in charge of the things that we do and even life itself. Lord, and when we're faced with the, that futility and we're faced with that fragility, that that's not where you leave us. But right in the midst of that, you step in. Jesus, you show us on the cross that you are very different from us in the sense that your work on the cross was not futile. And when you came out of the grave, Jesus, you showed us that you're not fragile either. And each time we gather and spend time in the Scriptures, pray that that's true today as well, that we walk away going, wow, Jesus, how amazing you are. Being reminded of our great need for you and what you've done for us.
We thank you for life. Even though we're not in charge of how long we stay on the planet or what we do while we're here, ultimately, we thank you for times like this morning where we were able to gather and hang out and, and just be the church family and live life together until you come back again, Jesus. Thank you for all that this morning's represented. Thank you for the things you're speaking into our lives. Lord, we pray that as we work through the rest of our day today, Lord, that we would work through it with open hands. As we can continue to think about what's coming this week or what we think may come this week, that we would view all that in an open-handed, non-presumptuous way. Lord, you're in control. Lord, we love you. Pray these things in your name alone. Amen.